Welcome to another episode of It's a Packed Life podcast. I'm your host, Celeste. Today's guest on Friday, June 10th, 2022, is a good friend of mine, Rhonda Bennett. And I'm excited to share the conversation that we had with you. Welcome to the show. Okay. Well, here we are. Here we are. Another lovely day. The drive was very nice. Was it? Yeah. I always prefer to <laughs> kind of talking about what our topic is today. Um, yeah. I always take the avoid highways route on the map. So it's always calming to drive and my daughter gets annoyed. Mia gets annoyed all the time. Like, Mom, why is it taking us so long? Because this is like avoiding the highways. It's great. <laughs> right. But it was such a nice drive out. Yeah. Taking a calmer route and you just can look at the trees and just free your mind and think about whether it's your to-do list or even meditate because I do that a lot. Yeah. I always like to take the scenic route and country roads are just amazing because I'm from Tennessee. So it always brings me back to my childhood growing up yeah. in the country. Yeah. So I love it. So Tennessee, mm-hmm. New Orleans, mm-hmm. here, yep. Charlotte. You've been a lot of other places out here in the South? Not really. It's like Tennessee. Well, I was born in California and then. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but. (laughs) But I moved from there when I was five. So I have, you know, a little bit of memory of it. Memories. Yeah. And then I remember my first birthday being my sixth birthday in Tennessee. I don't know how I remember that one. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but (laughs) Tennessee. So from there it was Tennessee and then. Louisiana for college, then North Carolina, because my mom had already moved to Charlotte, and then back to Louisiana, and now back to Charlotte. Charlotte. (laughs) So I literally haven't been anywhere else. Let's talk about how we met, Mm -hmm. because like my relationship with my husband, I met you online. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. Well, I remember posting that I needed childcare. Were you in a homeschool group on Facebook? Probably. That's probably where we met. As if you had posted it there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. It was the, um, it was a North Carolina homeschool group. You're yeah. right. I've forgotten yeah. that because I'm Because you were homeschooling Nia. Yes. Yes. And you were like, uh, I need a babysitter ASAP. Because <laughs> you got a job. Because <laughs> I got a job and didn't have a babysitter. That's right. And, and you responded. I was like, yeah, because I've got an only child. Yeah. Mia was the only child living with you at the mm-hmm. time. Yep. And they're the same age. Yep. Yeah. And so it worked out great. Yeah, it really did. Um, I was just saying the kids got along great. They did. They did. And I remember I say that you and my sister both helped me with lightening my parenting style because I remember at the time... Uh, we were in the car and, and um, Rory said something and it was one, one bad word in there. And I was like, I was looking like, did she hear that? <laughs> and then you said, it's just words. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that makes perfect sense. And um, so ever since then, you know, kids are always going to do what, what they want to do when they're not around you. Right. And so I just explained to my daughter once she started going back to public school. I said, you know, I, it doesn't matter to me what you say, like curse words are just words, right? (laughs) Quoting Celeste, (laughs) but don't get in trouble right? and and be respectful to your teachers. And so I'll tell you how that came about for me. Yeah. We were not allowed to swear in my home growing up. Mm -hmm. My mom would, when she would lose her temper, had a potty mouth, Mm -hmm. but it was always in anger. Yeah. And that felt so hypocritical to me. Mm. It is Mm -hmm. to say, we don't do this. And then to do it in anger, that's not a space to do it from. But then also I recognized that like when I would get frustrated or upset, I would chant my head, damn shit, damn shit. And it would just like Mm. relieve this tension. And so then later when I was coming up on, and I had always said, well, I'm just going to let my kids swear. I'm just going to let my kids swear. You know, like, (laughs) I mean, I was a teenager at that point in time. So yeah. But when I became a mom and I started really thinking about it, I was like, the words only have as much power as we give them. Absolutely. And if it helps you vent your stress, Mm -hmm. then is that bad? Right. And it comes back to this being intentional with Mm -hmm. it, right? Like Mm -hmm. what's the purpose? And so 
I decided that as long as my child understood what the words meant. Yes, I remember you telling me that. Understand what they mean. Mm -hmm. You can swear as much as you want. We just don't swear at people. Yes. We don't use it to be derogative to people. Mm -hmm. And we're respectful of the spaces that we're in. So if you're at someone's house and they don't allow swearing, you don't swear. You'd be respectful of that. When you're at public school, if you're working a job, like there's certain situations that you're always going to have, you know, this different level of what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the earlier we can start helping our kids to understand that, the better. Absolutely. Now, like Rory has F this and F that, (laughs) you know, like I caught myself. Oh, it was probably couple of years ago now when the F word started showing up consistently as a teenager, mm. like this, like internal cringe that was happening. Yeah. And I had to repeat to myself, they're just words. They're just, it's just a word. Right. Like, why does it really even matter? Mm-hmm. And I had to laugh at myself because there was still, mm-hmm. even with at that point, you know, 13 years of parenting that way, this internal like cringe yeah. around that one word. Yeah. And now I just laugh. Yeah. It's just whatever. <laughs> Aren't you so tough? <laughs> you know, F bombs uh, get thrown around a lot at my house. And it's, I always say it's because I'm a sailor. Um, and, and I can honestly say that, you know, I served four years in the Navy. And so before going into the Navy, I did not use swear words a lot. Sometimes, but not a lot. Well, and in the military, in the military, it's- the F word is like the. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, Corey's 20 years Air Force, mm. did a 20 years Air Force. We're yeah. a military family. Yeah. No, we use the F word here all the time too. Yeah. Now my little ones are like my son, especially when he's playing video games, Roblox, it's F bomb. And then my daughter say, John said, oh, I'm like, he says it every day. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. As long as he's not cursing at you. Right. Like said, yeah, right? exactly. Sure. They start learning how to get really creative with their language. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I just see that as a good thing. Right. Like, how do you know how to use that? So, okay. So let's go back. So we met, we met online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. This, I think it was a great segue because it's, it's intentional, right? It is. It is. It is. So mm-hmm. we met online mm-hmm. and Nia started hanging out with us. It wasn't every day, was it? Mm-mm. It was like two or three days a two week. Two or three days. And then she had another young lady who was providing care. <laughs> another babysitter at the same time. And then I gave you rides sometimes to... Yes. Oh my gosh. It's the sweetest thing ever. It, so I had a panic disorder back then. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And so getting being able to be social... Mm-hmm was hard for me because I didn't know a lot of people in the area. We right. had just moved into our townhouse. Okay. We hadn't lived there that long. I didn't get a lot of adult conversation. Yeah. And so I remember you being like, thank you so much. And I was just like, you have no idea. <laughs> it meant so much to me for the social interaction, yeah. you yeah. know, to be able to have adult conversation. Yeah. For me, it was I don't know, like an angel, I would say that. And I hate for people to use that because it's like, well, you know, no one's perfect. You think angel, like you think perfection, but um, you were there for us when we, when we needed help the most. And so I will be forever grateful for that. Look what came of it, like a great friendship. And I'm just grateful for that. And I, I needed that piece because I needed that interaction. We had got Ozzy around that time. We were trying Mm -hmm. to train him hope we were hoping that, and this is perfect because I just posted. So we're recording this on June 6th. I'm not sure yet what date we're going to, I'm going to publish it, but the episode that just came out on this last Friday on the third. Mm-hmm. I was talking with a friend of mine who is training. Um, she breeds and helps train and facilitates right now emotional support animals. Mm-hmm. She's moving into the service dog training area. Nice. Because there's such a big need for mm-hmm. animals, you know, for their temperament, for all of the things that need to happen to make, you know, and I really lucked into my first service dog. And I talked about that in that episode, how that came about. We were hoping to move Ozzy into that space and he Mm -hmm. does not have the temperament (laughs) to be a service dog. He never, he never became a service dog. Oh, wow. But what happened because of that, and because I was having small social interactions that were happening, Mm -hmm. I was in a space to work with another healer 
Mm-hmm. And it was actually a gal that I had seen as a massage therapist mm-hmm. when I lived in Utah. And then she had moved into coaching and mm-hmm. helping people, you know, live their best life because my body already would like respond to her voice because for about seven years back in Utah, she had been my massage therapist. Yeah. So we would talk on the phone and my body would just relax. Wow. And so my fight or flight would shut down. Yeah. Like it was off. Mm-hmm. I was just in a peaceful place. Yeah. And because of that, as we were talking, I was able to make the connection mm. all the way back to when I became a mom yeah. and when the anxiety had shown up in postpartum mm-hmm. and the panic disorder showed up at that point in time. And because they weren't treated, I wasn't even getting help at that point, you know? Yeah. And so it had moved into a panic disorder, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was able to like find where it had started yeah. and release it. Wow. That's amazing. I would love to hear more about that only because you're saying this and I'm in awe because right now I have anxiety and depression. So I take bupropion, the same scenario. I had postpartum depression, didn't know, but because it wasn't treated, it spiraled into anxiety and depression. And so it's not present all the time. Right. But when shit hits the fan, as I call it, you know, in the house and the kids are on 10 Mm-hmm. And then that's when the, it's not more of a panic, but more of like enraged. I feel out of control. It spirals. It spirals really bad. But I don't remember to take my medication every day because I don't feel that way every day. But then when it gets like that, I'm like, oh, I need to like pop a pill. <laughs> yeah. So to be able to come out of that yeah. would be amazing. So I still, I'm going to clarify one thing on it. I still take daily medication. Okay. I'm on two okay that I have been on now since Rory was like two years old okay but that is from there's a genetic component to that mm-hmm. and then because of the childhood trauma mm-hmm. that I had mm-hmm. I've got clinical depression yeah I still have anxiety okay but what I don't have anymore is the panic disorder nice and I don't go to that spiral place anymore right I think it's fascinating you said when shit hits the fan because in my therapy gosh it was about a month ago Mm -hmm. my therapist and I were talking and I was there was some stuff that was going on I was just like and she's like you're handling this Mm -hmm. so much like think about four years ago even Mm -hmm. and the way that you're handling this situation right now Mm -hmm. is from such a healthier calmer space. Yeah. And she made the comment something about when shit hits the fan and all of a sudden I'm a very visual person. I can visualize, you know, like <laughs> poop hitting this fan and it just flinging it all over the place. Here's the thing. I don't turn my fan on anymore. The shit's still coming at me, but right. instead of me flinging it all over the place, I'm just like, all right, here's the shit. Right. And she just busted up laughing. She's like, okay, you're way too literal sometimes. <laughs> Just deal with the shit instead of it hitting the fan. Right. Just contain it. She asked me, she goes, so what makes it possible Mm -hmm. to not have the fan on when Mm. the shit's coming at you? Mm -hmm. And I had to think about it. And I was like, it's the pause. And she's taught me this. We take a breath. Because we were talking about when I get excited, my body responds and moves me into anxiety. Okay. Because it's the same nervous system that's stimulated with both of those. Yeah. And she said the difference between anxiety and excitement is the breath. Mm. So you take a breath and when you recognize when you're breathing and it's in excitement, like our normal breath is down in our diaphragm. Mm-hmm. And when we're in fight or flight, it moves up into the chest. Mm-hmm. And I spent so much time in this chest breathing space yeah. that we've actually been doing a lot of like breath work and training to teach me mm-hmm. how to breathe in my diaphragm. Mm-hmm. It's going back to the idea that when something's happening, instead of just reacting, Mm-hmm. We take a breath. My guest that was the second one that this episode two, David Harmon, when I was talking with him, he talked about it as react or respond. Mm-hmm. And he would like to spend more time responding mm-hmm. than reacting. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And it's the same thing. It's the breath. It's that pause. It's like in that moment. And when you catch yourself, when you said you start to spiral, like Mm -hmm. you raised your shoulders a little and you tensed even Mm -hmm. just talking about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's very natural. I caught, I catch myself doing it too. Just thinking about like, start moving into the spiral. Shit's going to hit the fan. (laughs) You know, we brace and turn, flip that fan on because we're going to protect it from coming at us. Right. And that's normal. Yeah. And as children, you need that response. Mm -hmm. But now I'm the mom. Right. So I got to figure out how to reel that shit in, literally. <laughs> I'm going to have to clean up the shit I just flung all around the house. Exactly. I'm also learning, being intentional, trying to reel all that in. Like the breath, I need to learn more to do it in the moment. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm like... After it's all over the place, I'm like, I need to meditate. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to bring myself down off of this because you know you're still on that adrenaline. And so I meditation has been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it when I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and it keeps me calm in the mornings when we're trying to get ready for school because the kids are usually having a meltdown, either one of them or both of them, the twins. Right. Um, even though they're nine, meltdowns still happen. Of course they do. <laughs> Listen, I'm 45 and meltdowns still happen. (laughs) That's right. I've definitely been intentional about making sure I put my brain in a good headspace for the morning. And when I do that, we have a smoother morning because I can respond instead of react. Yeah. Now that I think about it um, to their whatever issue they have going on, which is this big, huge to them. And it's really nothing, you know, right. Both of my kids just got um, ADHD diagnosed. I think that I have adult ADHD. This is a self-diagnosis so far, but with that, it forces me to be more intentional with like, okay, this is a behavior that they may not necessarily have control over. Right. And so I have to put that into perspective before I react. Because there are times when my son and I will go head to head because he has ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder. Yes. We'll go head to head over nothing, you know? And so I have to remind myself, he's going to be angry. And he can't break out of that. He can't break out of it. And then you add in how young they are and their brain development. And so I have to make it a point to break it on my end. Right. Otherwise we're just going to keep going back and forth. Right. And to not, and this is what's been hardest for me is to not take it personal, Mm -hmm. even though I'm triggered Mm -hmm. because when those kind of situations came at me as a kid, Mm -hmm. it was a scary situation. You know, Rory still has anxiety and separation anxiety is a big part of that. And a lot of that comes from Corey was deploying all the time when Corey was little and kids don't can't understand the concept of time. It's just, dad's just gone. And then he's back and then he's gone, you know, and there were all these big emotions that would just Mm. explode because he didn't know how to process it. Yeah. And here's this explosion coming at me. And even though it's a toddler, yeah, it would trigger me into that fight or flight space, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had to really learn how to take time to honor that I felt triggered and to say, Oh, of of course, of course I'm feeling triggered by this because when I was yelled at in my home, it often was followed by physical pain Mm -hmm. and other emotional pain coming at me. Mm -hmm. So thank you for, you know, taking care of me in that time. And for this reminder, and now this is not that time, right? (laughs) You know, like right right now I would say to myself, I'm now 45. Mm -hmm. I'm the mom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I get to be in control of, I'm really trying hard to let go of that word right now. (laughs) Yeah. I get to be the main influencer. (laughs) There you go. Oh, that's nice. Of the emotions in my home. Yeah. And the way that it's set up. You set the tone. Yeah. We do. As as parents, we set the tone for sure. Oh, that's something that I do need to turn off my alarms because that's something that I learned. Um, That's an ADD, ADHD hack. That's what I was going to say. I have... Actually, I'm not going to edit this out then because this is, this is perfect. Yeah. I have well over 30 alarms. Like it's kind of ridiculous, but I need to turn off the alarms that probably go off while we're sitting here talking. Even you don't need to focus on those tasks this morning. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Am I right in assuming that that's why you set them is to redirect your attention? 100%. And so every little thing, even down to starting the car at... 615 and out the door at 625 and clocking into work and clocking out 
like all of those things. Well, and for everything, this is what I love about intentional living is that it's going to be different for every single person, you know, because for some people that many alarms would just like be jarring and cause Mm -hmm. more anxiety and more issues. Yeah. Whereas for you, it helps you keep refocused and able to just keep going about your day and doing the things that you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. I forget everything. I, I, if I don't have an alarm for it, I'm not going to remember 100%. And even yesterday I was doing a delivery. I do DoorDash on the side. Well, I would, I would call it half and half between that and my work from home job. It's like half and half, but I was thinking about three other things as I was getting out, I was delivering a pizza and I couldn't, I was trying to decide whether I should take the box out of the bag before I got to the door or while I was in the car or and their their note in the DoorDash app said, "Don't ring the doorbell or knock. The dogs will bark." So I was like, "Okay, if I take this bag up there and I open it, and the Velcro makes the sound, will the dogs hear that and they start barking?" Like this is the this is the ADHD like spiral. It'll spiral. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so in all of that, I'm taking it out of the bag. I get out. No, I decide. No, I'm going to carry the bag. I get out. As I'm getting ready to walk around the car, I notice the car is moving slowly towards the person's <laughs> car. I forgot to put the car in park. Who forgets to put the car in park? So anyways, I had a lot back. more people than would be willing to admit. <laughs> so I didn't jump back in and stop it from hitting this car that was in the driveway. And then I hope <laughs> that you're gentle with yourself around that because that seriously, we've all done that. Yeah. If you have never done that, you're not old enough yet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because at some point (laughs) you're going to start forgetting the little things, but I am, I feel like I'm pretty gentle with myself. I think for me, research helps with everything, learning everything that I can learn um, about it for myself and for my kids, especially, well, both of their diagnoses are, are new, but Jocelyn's is just like last week. Yeah, and, that's really new. And yeah, yeah, and John's is maybe a month old, maybe a month and a half. I noticed I was sitting at my computer and I had my computer open with all the tabs, my phone, you know, once it gets past 99, it just gives you a smiley face on how many tabs you have open. <laughs> and my iPad, I had all of them running at the same time. What am I doing? So then I started watching videos on ADHD and I thought, is that why I don't like being in relationships? Then I did ADHD in relationships and then ADHD in women came up and I'm like, what about ADHD in girls? And then that's when I looked at that. And then I saw these videos that described my daughter perfectly. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is why she does this and that. Yeah. You automatically assume that it's, you know, hyperactivity that you'd see in a little boy bouncing off the wall is what you assume. It shows up differently. It shows up differently in girls than it does in boys. And, and some of that is cultural conditioning. 100%. And some of it is just personality and genetic. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think the whole construct of, of like gender and gender roles is one of the things that right now, like my tabs are always open on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So much of what we think around those things were conditioned Condition. to think and do, but there has been a lot, especially in the last, I would say five to seven years, I've noticed a lot more information coming out around girls and ADHD mm-hmm. because they're seeing more and more women that were never diagnosed mm-hmm. because of the way that we were conditioned as girls to right. react. Like yeah. it's not okay for a girl to be bouncing off the walls, mm-hmm. but people expect it from little boys. Right. So true. And how messed up is that? Right. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And and we're expected to be organized and have all, every, all our ducks in a row. And if we don't, and it's like, she's all over the place. And it's and- our responsibility to make sure that the emotional health of everyone around us mm-hmm. is in a good place. Mm-hmm. And that's Taking something, care of everything. yeah, like we're, but we're taught to read a room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure. Where boys are not conditioned and taught to read a room like that. Yeah, you just wing it every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fascinating to me, Yeah, you know, as we're taking this apart and I don't think that we can get rid of toxic masculinity or some of these things that, you know, people are like, oh, these are like bite words right now. Okay. Yeah. So there's a word that might be trending around it, but the Mm -hmm. issue's real. Right. Right. I don't care what you call it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We do need to talk about it. We do need, and we have to get all the way down to the nitty gritty of when, you know, how many of the, from babies and toddlers, how many little boys are being told smile, smile, Mm -hmm. so pretty. Mm -hmm. Give me your smile, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Whereas that's 
when it starts with little girls. Mm-hmm. It's from the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. That's true. Boys are don't cry. Yeah. Don't show your emotions. Yeah. And girls are smile, be nice, be friendly. Nobody's given permission to really show their emotions. Mm -mm. No, it's all a false front across the board. And Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that we're seeing coming about now is more people. And it's because of the internet, really, because people are talking about things and someone's going, oh my, I'm not the only one dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. I'm not the only one. (laughs) That's my discoveries these days with ADHD. My, I'm sure my family is so tired. I have two cousins that I talk to all the time. And I'm like, yeah, because I watched this video on ADHD that said blah, 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 blah. And they're just like, oh. I have a friend that would always <laughs> tell me, put the Google down. <laughs> put the Google down. And she'll yeah. use it because it's not like I do research like that too, right? Yeah. But also like my brain will start to like, and then this, and then this, and, and then that, and then that. And she's like, just put the Google down. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not, that's been a good reminder for me when I feel like I'm starting to like, I need to like regroup Mm -hmm. and it comes back all the way back to this first idea. When I was saying like the breath yeah, and take a breath and when you take the breath, then you can have, because you have awareness when Mm -hmm. you breathe, like when we just start going through things and you're breathing in your chest because Mm -hmm. you know, it's like fast and we're in this fast paced world and we're, I got to go to work. I got to get the kids out. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Yeah. And then you realize you're, I'm tense. My shoulders are up. I'm breathing from up here. Yeah. You take the breath Mm -hmm. and then in the pause, you can have an awareness Mm -hmm. and that's when you can make the decision to move into an intentional space. Yeah. Because as long as we're like on this autopilot, you can't really be intentional with that. Yeah, for sure. You're not, you're like so zoned out or zoned in, however you want to describe it, where you're just not paying attention to the world around you in general. And you're it's just tunnel like, vision. It is. That's exactly what I'm trying to describe. Tunnel yeah, well, it, it was your, yes. your hand gesture. Nobody's going to hear yeah. on the podcast, but I was like, Ooh, I know where you're going with yeah. that. <laughs> tunnel vision. You get tunnel vision and you, and you don't think to take a breath. I love that analogy yeah. too, because you think when you're in a tunnel, yeah. the, even the noise just echoes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everything, it's just amplified and echoes. Mm-hmm. I was thinking well, we, when we were driving in the RV, you know, and you're in the tunnel and all sudden it's like that, Ooh, like sound yeah. that's in there and yep. you hear the tires going, <laughs> everything's everything. just amplified. Yeah. And that's the only thing that you can focus on because yeah. everything's just echoing back at you. Yeah. I think in those moments, I've always been a list maker. And so for me, I'll go through a whole thing, like things will start to happen, like bills, perfect example, you know, the first of the month is coming up and then you start to look at your calendar, like, oh, this is due, this is due, this is due. And then you start to get this panic. And then all you can think about is the bills and the money and the, and the lack and the, all of the things. And then you go through a whole process of panic and crying and, oh, how am I going to make this work? And then I take a breath and then I write it all down. Yeah. And so writing it down and seeing it in front of me. That's your pause. Yeah, it is. Writing it all down. And Give me awareness. And when I see it all on paper, I'm like, okay, it's not as bad as I it's thought manageable. it was. Yeah, yeah, it's manageable. Yeah. That's been something I always make a list. If I'm if I have to do something or have to figure something out, make a list. The breath and the pause are actually ingrained in us mm-hmm. because that is nature's response. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. the innate response for survival. Yeah. Because you have to like pause and look around you to see what real dangers there are Mm -hmm. and what there aren't, and then move into a space of how to move forward for survival. Right. Absolutely. But we have been conditioned through the way life is and all of these things. As we get older, it's like you said, I don't realize I do that Mm -hmm. because it's innate. Mm -hmm. It's not purposeful. Mm -hmm. And we get further away from what nature intended, right? The more we get busy and then we're not listening to what our body needs in that moment. We're Mm -hmm. not listening to, because when you're feeling the tension building up, Mm -hmm. that's a message. Your body's trying to tell you, Hey, the muscles are locking up right now because you're not breathing deeply in your diaphragm. Mm -hmm. You're starting to move up into the breath work. And so now we're bracing, right? Bracing for shock. Yeah. Like what's, what's, (laughs) What are we bracing? We're going to run. We're going to, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Right. Right. It kind of reminds me of, um, I've been listening to the teachings of Abraham, Abraham Hicks. I've been listening to Abraham Hicks. It's actually Esther Hicks. Right. One of those things that they discuss 
is your guidance system, which is your inner being. And as soon as you feel negative emotion about anything, that's your, your inner self or your guidance system telling you, Hey, you're off balance. You're not in alignment. You're, you know, like you were saying, it's your warning. And so that's what something I've been trying to do being intentional with that is paying attention to when I'm having negative emotion and trying to figure out why am I having this negative emotion and what can I do to fix it and how to um, flip it around. So that's definitely something I'm every day. I call, I call my car Honda civic university (laughs) (laughs) is when I'm driving around doing deliveries. Some days I just want to listen to music, but a lot of days I like to listen to audiobooks or podcasts. And one of my things right now is, is listening to Jerry and Esther Hicks on Audible. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the things that with the panic disorder that I had to learn is when your body gets trained to move into that fight or flight space Mm -hmm. and you're on alert and those alarms are going off in your body. So anxiety, right? That's your body sending these alarms out. My therapist, I was like, but but there's no reason for these alarms to be going off. And she said, you know, you've been through all of these things in your life that have trained your body to just throw warnings out for danger mm-hmm. in all the any given situation, right? Mm-hmm. But she's like, you think about when car and people that are younger than us aren't going to understand <laughs> this. So I apologize ahead of time. I'll try to explain it clearly. <laughs> when car alarms first came out, yeah, the wind would blow. Yes. And they would go off. They would go off. Yeah. Someone would slam a door. Yep. And the alarms would go off mm-hmm. because they were just so sensitive to sound waves. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, "Your car alarms just going off." <laughs> and so your goal is to pause and say, "Is this just the wind? Is this just the wind?" Wow. And there was a Billy Dean song. He's a country singer. <laughs> I wasn't even a country listener person. <laughs> that sounds so weird. Listener person. But there's a Billy Dean song and it, and it, the chorus is like, it's only the wind and nothing more, not the end of the world knocking at your door. Nice. So close your eyes and dream again, believing it's only the wind. And that became like a theme song for me during that time period, because I was really learning how to stop and go, okay, am I really in danger? Or is it just my body telling me I'm in danger? Mm -hmm. I was unable at that point in time to move the breath Mm -hmm. and get out of the space where I felt like I was in danger by Mm -hmm. myself, which is why then I had a service dog. I had the panic disorder for 12 years. I had a service dog for seven of those. Okay. You know, he was able to help either ground me so that I could function in that moment or move me through the moment. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I still wasn't functioning and I'd gone into a panic space and he would help guide me, you know, out of the store or out of the room. A lot of times it was at night Mm -hmm. is when my anxiety would get the worst. Yeah. And I would end up in spirals where... I was so far gone in the, you know, cause I, I put the baby to bed and then Corey's not home. There's nobody to break up the crazy thoughts that are going in my head. And mm-hmm. it's just in And it was so automated. Yeah. I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah. And he would be able, he actually would herd me mm-hmm. up the stairs to my bed. Like he would force me to go wow. up and go to bed. And as soon as I laid down with him and he would lay on my feet And it would create this stillness, which I didn't understand it at the time, Yeah, you know, but then as I've learned more and more things about how our response system works and the nervous system and all of that, like I recognized that he was moving me out of that space of panic. And then he was, he was grounding me Mm -hmm. because I could not ground myself. Yeah. Wow. And that as soon as I was still and took the breath, I could move into a place of calm. Sometimes just out of sheer exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that is the space that I was in at that point in time. Right. Wow. That's amazing. I never knew that much about service animals and what all they could do. That's, that's, it's, pretty it's amazing. fascinating the stuff that they can do, that's you know, and the difference between like an emotional support animal and a service animal. We talked about this in my last podcast, mm-hmm. but the difference between the two is whether they're task trained, mm-hmm. you know, cause emotional support animals are there to help you feel better, to help mm-hmm. you. And they, they give you touch and they give you grounding and they make it so that you can move into then healthier mind spaces. Okay. Where a service dog 
they operate as a medical device. And so there's things that they will do that Dalen would recognize when my blood pressure would drop because right before a huge adrenaline spike, yeah, your blood pressure drops so that you're, because your body's preparing for moving into fight or flight. Okay. And so my, my blood pressure is already pretty low mm-hmm. and my blood pressure would drop and I would pass out. Wow. And that was part of where it moved into a panic disorder mm-hmm. instead of just panic attacks okay. with the postpartum that first happened, right? right? Because I would pass out and I didn't know why I was passing out. I would just pass out. And we went to the doctor and they're like, like they treated it like I was lying to them. Like, right. yeah, you didn't really it's pass terrible. out kind of thing. Like it was horrible. Like yeah. I, I was made to feel so small and stupid and it didn't matter that Corey was there when it happened sometimes. Yeah. I was treated kind of like just doing this for attention. I mean, those words weren't said, but that's how right. I was made to feel. Yeah. And that was really hard because then I'm like, well, maybe I didn't, you know, being gaslit like that. I'm like, maybe I didn't pass out. Maybe, maybe I am doing this for attention. Maybe Maybe start to doubt yourself. And it's crazy making, Mm. you know, but now I understand all of, you know, what it was, but he, Dalen would recognize when my blood pressure started to drop and he would come over and lean into my leg and it would distract me. So then I'm having to like, what are you doing? You know? And this is before he had become a service dog. It was natural. It was natural for him. It was innate in him. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like when my therapist said, I think we need to get you a service dog. And she started talking to me about the things that a service dog would do. I was like, wait, my dog does most of these things. There were only a few things that he hadn't done. And he hadn't had his public access training yet. Wow. But I had a friend that stepped in and helped with that. That's cool. That's really cool. I feel like going, going all the way back to like when we met and you were saying like, you felt like it was a gift and you're like, I'm mm-hmm. rewording it in yeah, my yeah. own words. I'm not going to call myself an angel. Sorry. <laughs> well, not, <laughs> no, but I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I look at that and I think that the universe gives us the people mm-hmm. that we need. Yeah. And it's, it's like this really them. pretty web. Yeah, for sure. That recrosses and we come back into people's lives at mm-hmm. times too. Like, I feel like that way, like when I heard you were back in the area, I was so excited yes. and I'm kind of <laughs> bummed that it's taken us this long to get together. But at the same yeah. time, just because I wanted to thank you Aww. because I know that you looked at it like, Oh, you did so much for me. Mm-hmm. And you were always really good about expressing that. Mm-hmm. And I looked back and I went, I don't know that I ever really explained how much that meant to me. And partly is because I was in that space of just trying to survive. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, all the fails. Yeah. When you said that you had a friend that stepped in to help with your dog. That's that's, that's, what, yeah. Yeah. It made me think of that too. Like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like I, I live by that for sure. I think that people are put in your path when you need them the most and for certain reasons. And, and even on the opposite end of that, people leave your life when they're supposed to, if it's for a negative reason and they're no longer serving you, it's, it's okay. okay, to, let it's them okay go. to let them go. That one's been harder for me to mm. embrace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, especially growing up in a highly religious background that teaches about forgiveness mm-hmm. in the way that like, you're just supposed to forgive everyone. Mm-hmm. And nobody talks about what that looks like in a healthy way. Right. We didn't grow up learning about boundaries. No, you did not. (laughs) We didn't. These were not terms that were out there. Like you're too, you're a kid. You you know your place or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like you don't, I, I, I'm the parent and I said so. I, I catch myself saying that to my son a lot and I cringe afterwards because it's just ridiculous. Why? Because I said so there's there's always a reason. Like if, if I take a moment to explain to him, then maybe yeah. he'll have a better reaction instead of, you know, because I said so. It's, it's so it's um, a friend of mine taught me that in that space, because sometimes kids just keep asking for mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. either more information or, or some, they just push our buttons. Sometimes they, do. they, they want they to, do. you know, and, and that's <laughs> their job. I'm not saying, you know, but she was just like, instead of that, because I said so, you know, because you want to shut that down. She's yeah. like, I just say asked and answered. Hmm. That's a good phrase. Because they've talked about this. Like, I'm done with this conversation. Right. But you want to do it in a way that lets them know mm-hmm. it's closed. I'm not going back into this. Right. But I still hear you. Yeah. It's definitely about, um, I don't want to wear out the word intentional, but that's what we're here to talk about. Well, exactly. Right? <laughs> Can't wear it out. <laughs> but it is about being intentional about treating your children 
like human beings and not like they don't matter because they're little or that they're a possession. Right. Exactly. Like I would never say to another adult or even a stranger because I said so. Or if you did, like, like you're like asshole. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I read this post once that said, we treat strangers better than we treat our own children. And that completely changed how I spoke to my kids. But now I'm finding myself in reactionary mode more often. And so I have to get back to that. My sisters used to laugh at me. They're like, oh, you never curse at your kids and you, you're this, you're oh, perfect family. I'm like, no, it's not that. It's just that what if someone talked to you that way? Yeah. Then your defenses would go up and you'd be ready to fight. Well, and I think it's important that as you, as we go through this, you know, every age that our kids hit, the way that they respond to something could be a trigger for something that happened to us when we were their age, Mm -hmm. because I catch myself. And especially now my mom was the hardest on the teenagers. And so when Rory will do or say something that we would have got slapped for, you know, like beat, (laughs) I really have to pause. Mm -hmm. We're going to wear out several words for today. (laughs) Tension, pause, breath, (laughs) awareness, (laughs) react. (laughs) Like I have to just really take that pause and say, oh, all these feelings that just showed up in my body are mm-hmm. because my body is bracing for what came when that showed up when I was that age. Mm-hmm. And do I want to respond from that braced place? Mm-hmm. Because part of why it comes out aggressive or assertive mm-hmm. is because our body's in fight or flight. Yeah. My ther one of the things I've been working on in therapy, this kind of therapy is good. <laughs> therapy is amazing. <laughs> but one of the things that we've been working on is the difference between what feelings are, whether it's emotional mm. or physical. Okay. Because when we say I feel tense. What does that mean? Does it mean I'm feeling agitated and that's the emotion Mm. or is it my muscles are tightened? Right. And sometimes it's both. It's both. Yeah. But which one is the main one? Mm. Because at this point in our lives as adults, we've got, you know, I've got 45 years of life experience. Right. And so sometimes my body is just going to move into the tense place. And because my body moves to the tense place, then the emotion shows up as Mm -hmm anger or aggressive or that pause is really important to say, okay, what am I feeling? Okay. I'm feeling really tense right now. Why is that? Oh, it's actually because I was hunched over doing the dishes (laughs) and that's tension that's now in my shoulders. And if I roll them back and do a nice stretch and Mm. open my chest up and let my heart chakra breathe, (laughs) then the emotion is gone. Yeah. And other times it might be because my kid just said something Mm -hmm. that I'm like, the hell are you talking to me like that for, you know, and all of a sudden it moves into that space and then the emotions there and then the body tenses up. That's been really critical in that. And when we talk about the breath in that moment, it's around awareness to be able to separate the two and get kind of, I guess the word would be clinical, you know, to to really be able to dissect it, right. To move into the logic Mm -hmm. kind of space and be able to say, is the emotion Mm -hmm. triggering the physical sensation or is the physical sensation triggering the emotion? Because at this point in time, there are some of those responses that are just automated. Mm-hmm. And, and as we get older, we have different body aches and pains. And <laughs> so true. I think a perfect example of that is when you're tired, when I am exhausted from the day, everything is like annoying, maximized more. To, yeah. And, and so I think that's that reverse where your body is tense or you're tired or, you know, it's creating that reaction. What you're human. (laughs) Right. I feel like that shows up in my podcast too, where I'm like, oh, so basically you're human. Right. Pretty much. (laughs) I always ask every guest if they have a book or something that is like a life guide kind of book, or if somebody's like, oh, do you have any book recommendations for me? Yeah. Anything from Abraham Hicks. And I'm looking at Audible now yeah. to see what books I have in here. Uh, Tell me a book that really has resonated with you in your life. Uh, Kick-Ass Single Mom, for sure. Kick-Ass Single Mom and the You Are a Badass series. Any of the um, Esther and Jerry Hicks books right now, I'm listening to Money and the Law of Attraction. You already yeah. took care of my next question, which is what? if there was something you're listening to or reading right now or oh, whatever yeah. that you would want to share. Also, these conversations are so fascinating mm-hmm. and I always want to have them like with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Which is part of why I want to do the podcast because I want to hear them too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so people that are 
attracted to this conversation Mm -hmm. are probably going to be attracted to some of the same things that the people I'm having the conversation with enjoy. Yeah. So I like to ask, share a book, share, you know, if there's another podcast or something that you're listening to, Mm -hmm. everyone's not going to pick the same stuff, Yeah. you know, but they might, it might be like, Oh, that sounds, that sounds really good. Oh, another thing that I do want to add is, is, um, it's a YouTube series though. It's called how to ADHD. It's a very good, um, um, she, she gives a lot of general information about ADHD and then a lot of, a lot of information about ADHD and women and girls. Yeah. That one's really good. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or share with the listeners? I would say if you're not meditating, start meditating. <laughs> start. So what, what does meditation look like for you? Okay. Um, when I first learned how to meditate, it was a guided meditation because I didn't know really how to, that's how I started to meditate. Too. I just um, find something that I want to be better at or focus on um, like productivity for um, is, is a good example. I would YouTube productivity meditation. Every meditation starts with um, well, not every meditation, but most meditations start with a, you know, lie in a comfortable position and you take those breaths and, you know, focus on your breathing. A lot of the early ones that I would listen to would have visualization in them, like close your eyes and you see this and you see that. And so then I started to do it on my own where I will just sit and quiet my mind. I know a lot of people don't understand really what that means, but just taking deep breaths in and it's out. closing the tabs, <laughs> closing the tabs. Yes. Yes. Closing the tabs. And if you hear any outside noise, kind of visualize yourself kind of pushing it out of the way so that you can get back to focusing on your breath, think of, or visualize what you want to do or what you're trying to accomplish, whatever you're meditating about in that moment. It could be five minutes. It could be 30 minutes. I often fall asleep when I'm trying yeah. to meditate if I do it at night. But um, for me now, it it could be anywhere in the car or in the moment where I'm. Now, if you're, med- if you're starting with meditation, don't do it in the car don't to start it. out because you do fall asleep sometimes. So until you know yeah. how you meditate. Um, yeah, for me, I guess in the car for me, I have an alarm set for 1111. It's my favorite number. And so anytime 1111 goes off. If, even if I'm in my car, I will just kind of speak to myself. I don't close my eyes and relax right. my body. Right. My red body. <laughs> it's know, a pause that you is. built in. It is. Just take a moment. Just take a moment. Even if you're just breathing, you don't have to think about anything specifically or, or visualize anything. Just take a breath and look around and appreciate the trees and the birds chirping and things like that. I do that in the morning. So it's a built-in pause of gratitude. Yeah, gratitude for sure. That would be another thing that I would say. Gratitude meditations definitely have changed my life because it makes you focus on the things that you are grateful for. And, and that can kind of help balance the things that are kind of driving you nuts in the moment. If anyone is looking for a really good guided meditation to start with, I'm going to share the one I started mm-hmm. with and her name is Belarus Neverstack. Mm-hmm. but I'll put a link to that too. But her voice is just really great. Oh, a good app is the calm app too. Oh, that calm. one has some built in. I know. Um, Headspace is one that I used when I was first learning. Jessica Helsop or Heslop, H-E-S-L-O-P, Manifest Manifest by Jess. So she just rebranded. It used to be called Live the Life You Love, but that is my favorite meditation channel on YouTube. Awesome. Are you on social media? I have an LLC. I'm Rondalyn Virtual. That's the name of my business. And I'm like, I love, you know, doing general admin work and I can have my own time and this, that, and the other. And I had at one time three clients, which is a lot when you're doing a lot of admin work. It was highly stressful because I realized I went from not having one boss, but having three. Right. Really, essentially, you know, people, they're clients, people, but they're yeah, telling you what telling to do, what they, yeah. telling me what they want and when they want it done. And so I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. And that was okay. I think it's okay if you find yourself in a position where you're not happy with your job or your career or a business that you started, it's okay to pivot and do something else. I and love the pivot. Yeah, I love the pivot. 
Gotta love the pivot. <laughs> um, be intentional about making your life what you want it to be. Gone are the days where people even expect to go into one career and do that for the rest of forever. I, I, I can't ever imagine. I mean, I have my, right now I'm a chat agent and the scheduling is very freeing. Like if it, I need a day off a certain time, or if I want to log in, my schedule is very light and then I can, you know, adjust it as needed. But I also do DoorDash and it's because of the time freedom and really right. where I can just um, drive around and listen to music and have the windows down and play um, what I call my inner work playlist, which has all of these very um, ethereal kind of sounding songs and motivational quotes and things like that. That's there. Cool. So it's pretty cool. Building a life that is one of contentment, mm-hmm. I think is more important than happiness or yeah. joy because they're fleeting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I bring this up all the time in my podcast, but I rate everything on the scale of one to 10. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to fall somewhere between that seven through 10 range on the average. Okay. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you'll have days that are like my aunt passed away last week and this mm-hmm. weekend was really hard for me. Yeah, I'm so sorry. And thank you. I had some like three, four days. Mm-hmm. They're going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I look at the average though, because if I'm consistently falling in that two, three, four space, then I'm probably in a depressive episode, right? There's probably some things that I need to be, not probably, there are things that I need to be <laughs> doing yeah. to pull myself out of that, whether it's increasing my therapy or getting back on one of my, you know, like recovery kind of medications that help move me into a healthier mind space. And mm-hmm. I've taken a dip. A lot of times it'll just be, especially in the winter going on vitamin D, you know, it's just little things like that, that, you know, over time I've learned what works for me, but to try to get into that seven to 10 space and that, that builds a life then that's one of contentment the contentment brings about more happiness sure, and more joy. Mm-hmm. It, when I was working, if the job wasn't serving for me anymore, like I'm spending all of these days in the two, three, four space, you know, who wants to be unhappy all the time, right? Yeah. You want to live your life so that you're, you're working to live, not living to work to live. Don't live to work. Don't live to work. My favorite is do what you love, love what you do. And I think too, it's important that we recognize, even if you're doing something you're really passionate about, Mm -hmm. you're not going to love every moment of it. It's It's the average that you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's that that space of the majority of my time. Where am I spending the most of my time? Mm -hmm. I get to make the decision. What am I going to do to move back into that space of seven? (laughs) (laughs) The space of seven. The space of seven. It's a good book. I know, right? Right. I was like, that's a great book. It is. The space space of seven. seven. I want to write a book. Do it. I used to want it to be called. I thought I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and it it would focus around depression and anxiety and what people don't talk about. Everyone um, wants that image of having the. Not necessarily the perfect home, but that you never. Well, what we do, we get, we get so focused on the, especially now, like it used to be, everybody just talked about like the public image, right? The Mm. persona. And and now it's even amplified because we've got Instagram and all of these things. It's the highlight reel. Yeah. And people are showing the pretty pictures of Mm -hmm. here's the decor that I just hung on my wall, but ignore the 50 boxes behind me or, you know, (laughs) because we can curate and cultivate what people see. Right. You don't see the pile of laundry underneath the photo that's on the wall. (laughs) And we've been doing that forever. Like people have been doing that forever. I love the movement of people that are like, and here's the rest. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's refreshing. Like, okay, I'm not the only one who can't seem to get caught up on laundry, no matter how hard I try. (laughs) I don't even try anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Corey does the laundry. (laughs) I'm lucky to have that. And I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. Your turn. (laughs) I'm trying to get my little kids to start to do their own laundry too. I mean, they're terrible at hanging up clothes and I'm too type A to let them hang them up. (laughs) Like just watch them, put them in the basket. I'll hang them up. Of course, then they never get hung up. And then we're digging through baskets looking for clothes every day for school. But does is that okay? That's okay. Why can't that be okay? It's okay. Right? <laughs> like I, I had a point with Rory. I was like, as long as your clothes are not piled on the floor or something, mm-hmm. even when he was younger, I'd be like, just throw it in your drawer. Yeah. 
Throw it in your, you yeah. don't have to fold it. Just yeah, stick, it in, just the stick it in the drawer. If you don't care if it's wrinkly, I don't care if it's wrinkly. Right. Like, yeah. like if someone's judging me because my kid's got wrinkles instead of the fact that they're dressed, you know, <laughs> that's on them. That's something they need to work that's out with themselves. themselves. Exactly. <laughs> my child's wearing clothing and we're calling it a win. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I have all these hangers, these really cool ombre metal hanger wire hangers that I bought from Amazon and they're hanging in my closet perfectly and all the clothes are like down <laughs> three baskets of clothing just like overflowing and I'm like I can't find that other sock you know <laughs> but the hangers look beautiful <laughs> hanging around the closet but so everyone's pretty. closet looks like that mm-hmm. in my house everyone has empty hangers ready to go and laundry in the basket on the floor <laughs> and some of the laundry on the floor for being honest. <laughs> oh gosh. But it has to be okay. Yeah. You have to be okay with the whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the, with that panic disorder that I had, mm-hmm. I had to let, there were so many things I let go of mm-hmm. that it's been amazing as I've moved into this space. Now I'm not having it. Cause like, if I wanted people to come to my hat, like to, if I wanted social interaction, yeah. People had to come to me for the most part. Yeah. And I had to be willing to open my house up. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, when you're functioning in that crazy maker space mm-hmm. and shit's hitting the fan all the time, because <laughs> I didn't know to turn the fan off, <laughs> the house wouldn't be perfect. Yeah. It's it's going to be a mess. The kids will, you know, and I actually set up our, our first home that we were in, mm-hmm. I set it up so that as you came in the front door and my mom was like, why would you do that? That's so horrible. But I set it up. That first room was the toy room. Yeah. You walk in because people could walk in and deposit the kids and right there in yeah. the toy room. Yeah. And my mom's like, you don't want people walking into chaos. I said, listen, the people coming over to my house right now are bringing chaos with them <laughs> because they've got rugrats too. Right. <laughs> and it's so freaking drop the kids off in the toy room and they walk right, right. into the kitchen. Yeah. And we, you that's know, actually a perfect idea. It was, it like was daycare. Yeah. It was like amazing. And I didn't, think of it back then this way, but I was very intentional about that. You were because I was like, I need people in my home. I need people to feel comfortable coming to my home. Mm -hmm. And it's really uncomfortable, especially when you've got little kids, a toddler or something, Mm -hmm. and you go to someone's house and it's perfectly pristine. Right. And you're like, I don't want to put my kid down. Right. Like, yeah. But you walk into a house and there's, you know, some toys on the floor and things. you're just like, oh, thank God. Here you go. Yeah. Kid. Right. Go play. <laughs> you got some coffee for me, mama? Right. You know, like, yeah, it does definitely set you at ease. That, that's true. And so I've just adopted, like we when we moved in here, I started hosting bonfires mm-hmm. and I do them once a month. And the first one, Corey was like, are you worried about like, do we need to have everything? Unpa-? I was like, no, listen, if people are going to be our friends, yeah, I want them to take me as I am. Yeah. Yeah. Because those, I don't, I don't have the time or energy in my life anymore yeah. to waste on superficial friendships. Yeah. Yeah. So true. It reminds me of what I just was talking to my daughter about or my cousin and probably both. Anyways, um, my people, where, right. I learned that one thing I remember from my psychology class in college was to tell someone you're coming over is more of an inconvenience than just showing up. Because if you just show up, their house is as it is. And then the, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, my house is a mess. Sorry. And then it's over. But if you tell them you're coming, then they're going to clean. They're going to mop. They're going to cook. They're going to do this. And that's the biggest inconvenience of all. So wow, show, I'm just going to start showing up. Let people let go of expectations. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I have to take that into consideration for myself because anytime I'm cleaning like crazy, my daughter's like, who's coming over? Right. It's like nothing like someone coming over to help you get your house clean, but I just, I need to let go of that too. That's that's definitely a work in progress. Something that I need to be intentional about. Leave it, leave the stuff on the floor, leave the dog toys all over the place. Cause she knows I didn't, (laughs) I didn't clean up today before you came. And and what did I say when you said, Oh, sorry. I know I said, life is messy. I know. And why, why do we apologize for, for being human? Right. And or for our own homes for that. Right. Like this is where I live. You came. Right. If you're uncomfortable. And that's the thing is, is like, were you uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Like why, you know, and, and that's actually one of the things that I have tried to curate and cultivate is, is just like, come as you are Mm -hmm. and let me show up as I am. Yeah. 
And that's what makes us comfortable. And yeah. yet I still have that ingrained training in me. Yeah. It's apologize. a girl thing. We it stop is. apologizing. Boys so, don't apologize. Right. They don't. And and I don't mean that in a bad way, but they don't. They're no, not, well, they're, they're not, not trained taught, to. Right. They're not taught. They're not trained to apologize and be courteous and don't speak up and, and because, all the things. Because our job as girls is to read the room. Mm-hmm. We talked about that already, you yeah. know, but to read the room and to be in charge of the emotional support space of, everyone. of everyone. It's exhausting. It is. And it's not fair. Yeah. And that's actually something that we've been redirecting in our home mm-hmm. lately is putting the responsibility for everyone, like the emotional health of because I was so burnt out. Yeah. You know, COVID hit and we're dealing with all this stuff. And yeah. Rory was dealing with a lot of anxiety and things. And he's on a new medication now about two months. And mm-hmm. oh my God, it's been amazing. <laughs> but I had just hit a point where I was like, I can't be in charge of everybody's feelings. I need to adopt that because it's, it's killing. <laughs> so we, well, we started to, um, sitting down at dinner and part of it was because uh, Rory had been in such an ugly space mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. that we needed a daily check-in. Yeah. But I also knew like part of why this is as bad as it is, is because I'm burnt out and I can't be in charge. He's 16 now. Yeah. He has to know how to be responsible for how to take care of his own emotions and things. And yes. I got him into a psychiatrist and yes, we're going to be, you know, it's not like I'm not doing the parent things that need to be done to set him up with the tools he has. But as far as like processing the emotions and stuff, I can't do that for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're little, we're teaching them. Okay. Yeah. That emotion you're feeling right there. That's anger. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And here are healthy ways to release it. Unhealthy ways. Oh, yep. That's a on the borderline of healthy, unhealthy. Did it make you feel better? Okay. You didn't hurt anyone. We'll go with healthy. (laughs) But we would sit and we still, we do this right now about once a week Mm. where we were doing it daily for about a month. And now we do it about once a week where we sit down and, and the question, there's two questions. The first is, what have you done today to support your emotional health? Mm. And then the second question is, what can we do as a family to help support you mm. with your emotional health? That's good. Because a lot of times we spend all this time, I'm going to own this. I spend a lot of time trying to be supportive in the ways that I feel would be most helpful for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And they're still not getting what they need. And I recognized like, here's my family doing the stuff that they think is what I need. Right. And what I really need to feel emotionally supported right now is a clean kitchen. Right. Or what I really need today is to be able to just go lay in my hammock and be left alone for half an hour yeah. or, you know, but yeah. if, but we have to be able to identify uh, and take responsibility first for ourselves and for our own emotional journey, yeah. but then also to have the safe space to ask for what we need sure, and to say, Hey, this is what I need from you. Mm-hmm. And this is you know, here, here's what you could do to help support me. And when we started moving from doing it every day was when we would ask the questions and we're responding quickly with what we did for ourselves, because knowing that question was coming up, Mm -hmm. gave us the ability to stop and say, Oh, okay. What can I do today? Right. To take care of my emotional health. Mm -hmm. And even rewind, even before we started that is like on a scale of one to 10, where, where are you at today? Mm-hmm. And we use that same scale of one to 10 for everything. We use it for everything in this yeah. house, you know, but it's like, because we were hoping, because Rory had been down in this like two, three, four space mm-hmm. and we were trying to move it up. Now, you know, he's consistently like seven, eight, nine, Good. today's a 10. Well, right now I'm at a 10, but earlier today I was at a six. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to average that out at a you know and he's he's doing that at 16 now it's amazing right yeah yeah so that's been really really helpful I have all this pressure that's been relieved off of me now Mm -hmm. yeah because I'm not responsible for everyone's emotions Mm -hmm. and the truth is I wasn't doing it anyway (laughs) I just putting that expectation and pressure on myself and failing and failing and failing yeah and because you can't you can't take care of someone else's emotions. That's true. Yeah. We can influence them. And it's as, you know, whether it, whoever's the, I always say the mother, but, it, and we're moms. So that's yeah. a, an innate conversation, but the caretaker, whoever, yeah. it, you know, the, you're going to have a bigger sphere of influence with that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but also 
you got to recognize it's just influence. Right. Yeah, that's true. I did. I was continually trying to take ownership mm, mm-hmm. instead of just influence ship. Yeah. <laughs> influence ship. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, it kind of takes me to um, Abraham Hicks conversation is about um, the law of allowing. And it's basically really, <laughs> really, everyone just mind their own damn business and we'd all be in a better place. <laughs> But it's really about just letting, allowing things to be as they are, if it's not directly affecting you or not, if it's not directly um, directly affecting you. Um, Basically, don't try to control what other people are doing or thinking or saying, because everybody has their own mind and their own choice to do, say, and think as they choose. So if everyone did that, imagine the world that we would have, right? We could start small within our own home, right? And try not to um, be in control of all the things and not in a a negative way being controlling. But as moms, we feel like we have to manage the household, so to speak. Right. But manage, like we we interpret manage to mean control Control. yeah, instead of manage to mean influence, influence and handle. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think the law of allowing needs to take place a little bit more. <laughs> My house was like, okay, you know, it is what it is. Well, and th- I mean, this is only two months old here in our home, you know, mm-hmm. that we've been doing this. It's not like I'm like, well, I'm a genius. And we've been doing this forever. <laughs> it may not be what works for us mm-hmm. here in six months again. There's right. going to be some, you know, but it's what was needed right now. It's the pivot. It's the pivot. <laughs> pivot, pivot. Get, we forget that the brain is an organ. Yeah. Like we're, we're, and again, it's that separation of like the emotion and the physical, right? Yeah. yeah. And the physical can cause the emotion the same way that the emotion can cause the physical. So if the mm. physical is not being taken care of, mm-hmm. the emotions are all over. My therapist talks about how the body is a playground mm. for the emotions. Okay. So yeah. our emotions are just like playing around all over. If it's like not having anything for structured play yeah so if you need the medication it's like putting in a sandbox having mm. the swing set having the so right. that there can be focused play that instead of like that made a lot of sense for me too yeah. it's like hey that right. clicked <laughs> love a good analogy right mm. mm-hmm. i'm the analogy queen yeah i got analogies <laughs> for, <everything>. for everything <laughs> um the social media did you want to share where people can find you on social media oh or just Rhonda Bennett on Facebook. I'm Rhonda Bennett on Facebook and Rhonda Lynn Bennett or B-N-T on Instagram. And it's Rhonda with no H, by the way. So that's R-O-N-D-A-L-Y-N-N-B-N-T on Instagram. Okay. Appreciate you coming and doing this. I'm so excited. So exciting. All right. So, and... This life is packed. 